I am sure that most of you in this room have heard the term carpe diem before. It means seize the day. How about memento moyor? Not as common, but for those of you that speak Latin, you know what this phrase means. It says, remember that you will die. For the past three years, and more recently this past year, I've been hearing this, this saying, YOLO, regularly. If you are not aware of what the acronym is, YOLO means that you only live once. So Cameron, my 15-year-old daughter, will often, when we're having a, make a, has to make a decision about what has to be made that could go either way, she will simply walk up to me and say, YOLO, Dad. I think she adds the dab for emphasis, but I'm not entirely possible, you know, I'm not positive about that. She says that when we're making a decision based on our first reaction, that's what we should do because we only have one life. It makes sense. I mean, YOLO is something that's probably the same concept as, as carpe diem or, or, or memento mayor. Even King David maybe thought this way. In Psalm 39, 4, David asked the Lord to remind him how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeting away. That's kind of a YOLO thing. This morning's uh, sermon text comes from the Gospel of Mark. Chapter 12, verses 28 to 31. And these are verses that, that, that are, you're very familiar with. This isn't anything that you haven't seen before, I'm guessing. Um, these are, are verses that, that, that have come in time and time again. And if you've been in our ministry here, you've heard it, guys. Um, let me set the context for you. Jesus is talking and he's spending time with a group of people that included Pharisees and, and, and Sadducees who are the religious leaders of the day. And he's just talking, he's debating the things like the taxes that should be paid to Caesar. He's talking about the resurrection. And then this event takes place. And I think it's an important concept for all of us. Here's what, here's what Mark says. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate he realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important, Love your neighbor, he says, as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Understand that nothing is greater. Nothing that we experience is greater than loving God with all that we have and loving our neighbor. It makes it pretty clear and pretty simple, I think. We love God and people with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, and with our strength. And in our world... That's not always the easiest thing to do. But as a Christian, as someone who follows Christ, this is something we need to be working on, and so it's best for us to get started at any point in our life, but if you're young now, if you're old now, it's time to get started. I want to spend time with you investigating how we can, one, love better God and people. The second thing I want to discuss with you is what we can do to grow our mind closer to God and to people. 
And finally, talk about the third thing, talk about how we can strengthen ourselves to be able to be a sacrifice for God and for others. Proverbs 4.23 says to guard our hearts with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Now, the most important instructions that we probably receive from God here are to love God and to love people. All the rest of them are important, but this is probably the most important. And when I was thinking about loving God and loving people, that's something that's really easy to do here within the walls of Redeemer. It's always amazing to me how easy it is. Each and every week we come here together. We come here to fellowship. We come here to worship God. And I find it increasingly, I find it increasingly fun and frustrating that, that as we're out in the lobby before a service with each other, talking, catching up, doing the things, fellowshipping together, usually we get in here just about that second song because of that love that we have, because of that, that, that feeling of spending time with others, we get talking about everything, talking about kids, talking about what your day's like, talking about the weather, sun's coming out today, yeah. Okay. Um, it's, it, each week, though, we come here and, and, and we celebrate God. We celebrate each other. We come here each week to show our love for God and by taking part in a worship service or an educational opportunity, we do just that. We demonstrate our love for him by being in his presence with other people who feel the same way as we do. See, the Christian church is like a family. And when you come and you be part of Redeemer, understand that you are entering a big family with God as the Father and lots of brothers and sisters. That's the beautiful part about being who we are as the church. God is our Father. We, the Christians, are his brothers and sisters. Now, love is kind of crazy because it comes from the heart. It comes from that thing that beats inside our chest. St. Augustine said, since love grows within you, so beauty grows. He says, for love is the beauty of the soul. C.S. Lewis once said when talking about loving your neighbor, he said, do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. See, I think we run into problems with our heart sometimes. The fact is, is that sometimes our heart gets broken or it gets hurt and we don't know what to do with it. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's been hurt by a love, maybe by a friend. Maybe by a loss, a loss of a job. Maybe it's by a death. I'm sure there are a thousand other maybes that you are thinking of today, but when our heart is hurting, it is really hard to love anything. Share a quick story with you this morning. Two freight trains traveling down the Philadelphia and Erie Railroad come together, they collide. Christian Dean was, a, was an engineer on one of those trains and both he and his fireman were buried beneath the wreck of his locomotive. Dean was held by one of his legs close by the firebox of the engine. His fireman was nearly concealed under all the pieces of the wreck. When they were discovered, Dean had managed to reach his toolbox and was making every effort that he could to get his friend, his fireman, out of danger. 
When he saw that other men had come to help, Dean said to them, help poor Jim, never mind me. The fireman was taken out as soon as possible, and he was unconscious. Then Dean was taken out. And it was found then, during that time, that he had been working to relieve his friend Jim that the fire was burning his own leg to a crisp. He was literally roasted from his knee down, and, a- and-, and afterward it had to be cut off. And yet this gallant fellow was unmindful of his own suffering in trying to relieve the suffering of his fellow worker. Jim would say that he was one of his most generous friends indeed. It is absolutely amazing to me what the love of a person can do. I was thinking about when I was writing this, I was thinking about when Amy was fighting her cancer five years ago. I was thinking about all of the people that would fill out our care page as I would post and all the people that would, would, would write about how they, how they were praying for, much, for us, how much they loved us, how much th- th- people were posting that I didn't even know. And to think that people love that much amazed me. When we love our neighbors, and understand that's important to love our neighbors, I'm not just talking about the ones sitting next to you in your pew. I'm not talking about the ones that live next to you in your apartment complex. I'm not talking the ones on your street. When we talk about loving our neighbors, I'm talking about the people that serve you at McDonald's, those wonderful people at Taco Bell. They make chicken tacos. I think about the people at work that you can't stand. You have to love them. In that, uh, in that way, it's, it's, it's very difficult because we have to love those people who live in other countries. We have to love even the people that don't believe what we believe. We have to love them as well. And one of the most disturbing things that we've seen over the past year was the backlash uh, that people are having between different people because of social or political arguments. It didn't matter if it was on social media or, or, or in person in the streets. It didn't matter. We had this pop. We had this populist dis- displacement. People disagreed and it took it out in bad ways. In the media today, friends, it's hard to swallow some of what we see some of what we hear because of the messages that appear to be of hate that are coming out. Here's the thing. As Christians, it shouldn't matter to us the way that things turn out. It doesn't matter if it didn't turn out the way that we wanted it to. It just doesn't matter because we're called to be different. We must take the best of what God has given us And know that ultimately he is in control and he will guide us through whatever it is that we're going through. Now, I don't know if any of you had the opportunity that I had the last time that the band U2 was in town. But it's possibly the second greatest show I've ever seen in my life. I'm a big U2 fan. And they played this one song. It's called One. And the lyrics are written by Paul David Hewson, or as you might know him, Bono. As, as, as the lyrics are amazing, and, and the close to that song is so spectacular. 
you don't know, Bono is, is, is a huge Christian. And when he writes, he must be thinking of some of his relationship with Christ. This is what closes the song one. One love, one blood, one life. You've got to do what you should. He says, one life with each other, sisters and brothers. He says, one life, but we're not the same. We get to carry each other, carry each other, one. He goes on to say, life and one. But he tells us that we're not the same and we have to carry each other. We only have one life. So in that one life, we have to focus on love. We have to focus on acceptance. And we have to focus on forgiveness. Because it is in those three things that we can show the most love. When I think about feeding our minds, the only thing that I could think of when I started writing this was read your Bible. Study the Word. When it says to love the Lord your God with all your mind, we need to think about only having this one life in which we can learn the ways of Jesus. As a Christian, that's our call to walk in the way that Jesus has shown. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I want to make sure you see that. Let God transform you by changing the way you think. When I read that, it's my belief that the only way that I'll ever be changed in the way I think is by studying, by reading, and meditating on his word. And conveniently, that's the way for, it is for all of us in, in most of our ways. It doesn't matter if you have a, a, a high school diploma. It doesn't matter if you have a, an exam coming up. It doesn't matter if you have a master's degree, a bachelor's degree. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor. We all have to study to get to those levels. It takes us to sit down, study the way, so that we can figure it out. We read it, we study it, we meditate on it, we make little note cards so that we can remember our facts. That's the way it is for all of us. So when we think about how do we get started with feeding our mind, how do we get started with that Bible, trying to learn more of what the Bible has for me, well, the first way I would tell you is each and every week in our worship folder that you get when you walk in, you can pick out the verses to read from, from either the sermon text or by what's coming next or, or, or by what Kim has put in there for us to, to read the Bible in a year. You can start a daily reading app on your smartphone through one of the apps that I have. I'm on a 30-day plan right now. That's one of the ways I study. You just need to find a time in the beginning of this new year and make it a habit to read and discern the scripture in a way that helps to feed your mind. There are other ways in which you can feed your mind spiritually. Understand this, I, I, I certainly do believe in it. You can podcast other churches, maybe another speaker perhaps, if that's what you find. I love to listen to a couple different podcasts. Uh, Tammy got me hooked up with uh, Andy Stanley's podcast. And I absolutely love it. He's down at North Point in Georgia. 
and, and I'll be perfectly honest with you, Brad Kalajanin at Cornerstone Church in Grand Rapids is really good. Just don't tell Rod it's his brother. They are two of my absolute favorites. And I love to listen to them speak. Because as my mind grows, because of what they share with me, my mind gets filled as I grow and listen to them tackle Scripture in a way that God has handed them His words. And it's absolutely fantastic. The Bible, friends, will strengthen your faith and help you to trust God more, and I believe that. Author Steve Maraboli, in his book Life, the Truth, and Being Free, says reading the Bible will help you get to know the Word. He says, he writes, but it's when you put it down and live your life that you get to know the author. So let's talk about that, presenting our body as a sacrifice. Because not only should we take care of our hearts and take care of our minds, but we also have to love God with our bodies. Romans 12.1 encourages us to give our bodies to God because of all he has done for us. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, Paul writes, the kind he will find acceptable. So in all that we do, in all the work that we do, in all of the eat we do, in all of the sleep we do, in all the play we do, in all the going to school, all that you do is for the glory of God. Because what he has done for us, the least we can do is what we can to glorify him. My guess is that not many of you have ever thought that way before, that everything I do is to the glory of God. And if you have, fantastic. If you haven't, oh no, because that's what we're called to do. But I tell you that you have one life to live. So I want you to think for a moment, and can you tell me what you've done in your life that brings glory to God? I hope you can, because that's what we're called to do. One thing that I want to point out is that God still wants you to live a life that is a sacrifice to him. There isn't a time in your life when you can say, I've done that and now it's somebody else's turn. There's not a time in your life where you can say, I've done that and I don't need to be a living and holy sacrifice. There is no time off from being one of God's children. I was thinking of the work camp team that we're starting to assemble for our spring break trip to Memphis, Tennessee. And while I was thinking about this never too old to serve the Lord, I started reminiscing about the past work camps that we've done in the summer. And I think about that for the 10 years that I've been here, the nine years that I've done work camp, there has been a constant one or two people that have been on every trip with me. Larry and Bev Olson. Larry and or Bev Olson. They have been to Haiti with me. They've been to Kentucky with me. They've been to oh, St. Louis, where else? Yeah, Dayton. Yeah, the, yeah, anyway, we've gone a lot of places together. Here's the thing. Larry and Bev have no kids in the ministry, unless you include me. They don't have any kids in the ministry. Actually, they probably have grandkids that are closer to the ministry than their own kids. But that doesn't stop them. They want to serve. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're 13. It doesn't matter if you're 63, 73, 83. Closer. 
Guys, there are still ways that we can be a living sacrifice, and it doesn't matter. Now, I realize for some of you, when you hear that, the, that, that, that your bodies have to be given to God, you think of it being about a temple and, and, and looking perfect, and, and you take extremely good care of your body. I am currently not what you would say in perfect temple shape. I want you to know that I'm trying. But I promise, it's going to take a lot more time. You don't build this like that. As I'm going through scriptures, though, I'm comforted by some of what I read at this time in my life. When Paul uh, wrote his first letter to Timothy, it's a, it was a great help to me and, and those of us that are still working on getting that body perfect, but, but still willing to put our best foot forward you know, toward loving and serving God. Because Paul wrote this. He wrote, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So training for godliness, and get with me on this, because training for godliness is better than physical training. Amen. That's not really the way it is. It's nice, though, that we can take Scripture out and make it look like whatever we want it to look, right? It does, what really does matter is that we serve God with our bodies no matter what they look like, with everything we have. What Paul says to Timothy right before I took that Scripture out of context to make myself feel better is that we should train ourselves to be godly. You only live once, so train yourself to be godly. I was trying to think of an example that I could share with you of how we could be godly. The question then becomes, are you willing to follow through on it? In Mark 10, we have a wonderful example. We can read this story again, one that you should probably know and probably do know. Mark writes in chapter 10, verses 17 through 22, as Jesus was starting out, on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the young man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. He said, there is still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have the treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Then we get to this point. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. It can be tough to be godly because the boys with the most toys win. You can be godly. The question is, are you willing to sacrifice all that you have for him? Some might say that this guy went away sad, but then when he got home and he saw that all that he had, he said, YOLO, I've got all this stuff. I don't need that. What are you going to do to seize the day, friends? What will you do to live your life as a sacrifice that is pleasing to God? James wrote, Look here, you who say today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? 
Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say, James, right, is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or do that. Friends, guard your hearts by loving God and loving people. Feed your mind. Listen to podcasts, listen to others, listen to what they have to say about the word. Read your Bibles. Find out what God would have to say to you and do it regularly. Strengthen your bodies and become the hands and feet of God. Be that living sacrifice because it's true that you only have this one life to live. YOLO. Pray with me. Loving God, as, as, as we are starting out this new year, we certainly do confess our need for your presence and guidance as we face the future. We all have hopes and dreams for the year that are ahead of us, and you alone know what it holds for us. And only you can give us the strength and wisdom we need to meet the challenges. Father God, help us to rest in you and seek your face. Seek you, your will for our lives during this coming year. Lord, in the midst of life's uncertainties, in the midst of life's inevitable disappointments and heartaches, in the midst of life's temptations, help us to turn to you for stability, for courage, for comfort, to that all, all we're going to need. And in the midst of our daily pursuits, Lord, open our eyes to the sorrows and the injustices of our hurting world. Help us to respond with compassion and sacrifice to those who are friendless and in need. We pray for our nation, Lord, and its leaders during these difficult times and for all those who are seeking to bring peace and justice to our dangerous and troubled world. We pray especially for your protection on all those who serve in our armed forces and our police forces, our fire departments. We thank you for the commitment they have to defend our freedoms and safety, sometimes even at the cost of their own lives. We ask that you be with their families, Lord. It can't be easy, but you offer them love and assurance, and that is wonderful. Bring our divided nation back together, Lord. Give us a greater vision of what you would have us to be. Help us to remember your words that remind us, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. We thank you, Father, for the promise and hope of this new year. And we look forward to it with anticipation and faith. This I ask in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.